0: My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stuart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. To prepare for this lesson, please go to OurSundaySchool.com for a copy of today's handout. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Our Sunday School. Glad you guys are with us today. So, if you've got your Bibles, we're in Philippians chapter 4. Yes. Last one. Uh, so, yeah, fun stuff. So, I'll read through... Uh, Philippians chapter 4 uh, in the green book. We're starting on page 83 today. Uh, and don't worry, we'll be on page 83 for about five seconds. So don't worry. Uh, but I'm going to read through Philippians chapter 4 and then we'll pick up with verse 2. Uh, and if you want to have an alternate pronunciation for Iodia and Syntiki, uh, I am happy to allow you to do that. If you listen to audio Bibles, you will hear them pronounced 18 different ways. Uh, So there is not alignment on how we should say these names, uh, and that hurts my heart, uh, but at the same time, it's okay. It's okay. So, (laughs) Philippians chapter 4, we'll start with verse 2. I urge Yodia and I urge Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because, once again, you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself I know how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the manner of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my needs several times. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I am fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Philippians chapter 4. All right, so this morning as we start on page 83, uh, just a quick look at the structure of the Greek paragraphs from the uh, NA28. So the first paragraph there is verses 2 through 3 we got another paragraph from 4 through 7, and then the last paragraph, 8 and 9. Uh, so we'll flip over now to page 85. So a little Bible Greek trivia for you, because I know that's how you like to start your Sunday mornings. Uh, but has anybody ever heard uh, one of the names of the Holy Spirit, or one of the titles or terms used for the Holy Spirit as the paraclete? You ever heard that term, the paraclete? Right? So as we look at verse 2, on page 85 here in the Green Book, I urge, this Greek word is the noun form of, I'm sorry, this is the verb form of the noun that is used to describe the, the functional ministry of the Holy Spirit. And this word actually has, like it is a, it is a really broad semantic range on what it can mean. Uh, It's everything from advocate to helper to encourager to comforter. And if you've heard those words kind of in a study or a series on the Holy Spirit, and you go, like, oh, yeah, that's ringing a bell, good. Because this is the heartbeat and the mindset behind the way Paul is Mm -hmm. trying to get Yodi and Sintiki Mm -hmm. to align. Um, And and I will say this, uh, so so you guys know that I have been mentioning... uh, Salos' uh, album Philippians uh, throughout this series, and you know, we had uh, Dr. Curtis come and uh, present to us one week. This is the, the CD list for Philippians, and when you get down to toward the end of the, the CD, it says for Euodia and Syntyche, and there's a song for Euodia and Syntyche, and the song has no words, and you're like, Well, well, that seems weird because Paul uses words. And what we do in this class is, we, would you agree we talk a lot about words? I like guess this is a, a word-heavy class, right? This is the, uh, the list of how Salos describes, it just says instrumental. And I have probably listened to Yodi and Sintiki eight or ten times this week. Uh, and the reason I love what he does there is that he takes the theme, the musical theme of unity in Christ, he takes the musical theme of working toward the gospel, he takes the musical theme of rejoicing in the Lord, and they all merge and they get rich and full in this instrumental of what's going on with Yodi and Sintiki. And I would argue from the structure of the letter, that's exactly what he's doing. He's laying the theological groundwork of how significant and substantive and important the gospel work and rallying around Christ Jesus is so that when he gets to deal with the argument in the church that everybody knows about, has anybody ever been in a church where there's been an argument where everybody knows about? Like this is the the elephant in the room. We are going to address it. Does he come down hard? When you read these words, I urge Yodia and I urge Sintiki to agree in the Lord. Does that sound like I'm taking a baseball bat and we're just going to what? Does this have the tone of Corinthians? Like, what are you crazy people doing? Like, you are on the edge. Like, just, just stop it. Right? This, is, this is not his tone here because he's already laid all that beautiful theological groundwork. And now it's just... Do you see? Do you see why it's so beautiful? Do you see why it's so important? So that that's kind of the the walking up to this. And I I just gotta think. I just gotta think that uh, Paul's use of pericope here um, is a subtle hint because the the doctrine of the Holy Spirit is not a strong concept in Philippians. Would you Would you agree? Like we haven't spent a lot of time talking about and thinking through. How the, what the Holy Spirit's role is in this book. He, he comes up, but it's not like our Lord Jesus Christ comes up in Philippians. But I, I have wondered for quite a while now, if this isn't Paul just doing a little head fake, you can't do this without the Spirit either. Like you need the Spirit in all of these things as well. So I urge, and this is a present active, so this is right now continuous action, uh, Iodia. And there's all kinds of speculation. And I I would encourage us, once again, to stop guessing about the Bible. The Bible never tells us to guess about the Bible. We're to take God's word, at his word, and go from there. But Yodia is listed first. There's probably a reason. I don't know the reason. If you read a commentary, you'll get nine reasons. If you read ten commentaries, you'll get a thousand reasons. I I just don't know the reason. Uh, Her name means fine traveling. I can't force fit that into any theological concept that's going on here. It's just sometimes this is what your name means. That's what your name means. It's the only time she shows up in the New Testament. And again, I'll I'll do my normal disclaimer. I am so grateful. I did not grow up in a day and age with cell phones that took pictures. And when the apostles were writing scripture. (laughs) Because, oh my goodness. (laughs) The... The risk of being listed once in Scripture for something that was not grand and glorious is high, (laughs) right? Um, And it's one of the things that I love about Paul's letters is that generally speaking, the last chapter or the last half of the last chapter is just, Hey, say hey to Shanda and Zeke and Julie and Thesa and Brut. Like, it's just this, I love you guys. It's great this isn't that one. (laughs) This is a, come on now, I urge you. And so this urge, you could, I advocate, I want to help, I want to encourage, I want to comfort you. Right? It's It's a very gentle touch. It's a very gentle touch. And I think it's a beautiful way that Paul shows one more time his personal feelings for the individual members of god's family which is beautiful so i urge Eudia and i urge syntiki um, so at the bottom of page 85 if you want an application um, paul is doing here a work that is very similar to the work of the holy spirit so my application here is christians can do some of god's activities christians can do some of god's activities Uh, Jen Wilkin is probably my favorite Bible teacher alive right now. Um, and she's got this quote in Women of the Word, which is a fantastic book and a terrible title. Because it's not for girls. It's for everybody. Like, just it's amazing. Uh, the heart cannot worship what the mind does not know. And I'll tell you, th- this has become more and more helpful to me. The longer I study the epistles, because the first part of most epistles is a whole bunch of indicative, factually true statements about God and Jesus and the Spirit and the church and all these realities. And then as you get further into the epistles, there's some type of a, a command, now go do something different because of these realities. And I would argue that many times that we, we don't actually worship the Lord with our lives because we haven't spent time soaking on the reality of the truth of the gospel, who God is, and then how that can go influence and change us to live out these beautiful principles. So the heart can't worship, what the mind doesn't know. So what do we do with Christians can do some of God's activities? Now, I did not say you can do all of God's activities. If you heard me say that, that was not what I said. We can do some, right? These are the... Uh, what did Grudem say, the communicable attributes of God. So what do we do with this? We know and do. We know and do. Because does Philippians 4.2 have the same weight to it if Paul sent them a postcard and just said Philippians 4.2 on it? I urge you Yodia, and I urge you, Sintiki, to agree in the Lord. Does it have the same weight if it doesn't come with all of the pretext and the context of what's going on? It it just doesn't have the same weight. All right, so on page 86, we get to Sintiki's name. Uh, It's anything from Sintiki to Sintiki to Sintiki. I will accept them all. It's great. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, I even heard a variety of. Uh, people who are experts in Greek pronounce the Greek name and Greek word differently. It's so like, I give up at this point. I give up. Her name means an accident. All right, great. Uh, and then the, our English word agree is actually taken from two Greek words, autos and uh, phreneo. So autos is the word for self or the same. Uh, phreneo, uh, if you've ever heard somebody study phrenology, is the bumps on your head. So phreneo is the mind, the head, the, the thoughts. So it's have the same mind. And if, if, you, if the CSB is not your first translation of the Bible you've ever read, you may have read a translation that said be of the same mind or have the same mind or be like minded. Those are really, really good translations. Uh, but it's not just, it's, it, so, so let me keep going here for just a second. So do you see this word for neo? It shows up in Philippians. Uh, twice, once in one seven, twice in two two, once in two five, twice in three fifteen, once in three nineteen, one in four two, and then f- twice in four ten. W- we like to summarize Philippians and say it's about rejoicing in the Lord. It, it it sorta is, but I would argue that the rejoicing is an output of the like mindedness about the around the unity of the gospel and who Jesus Christ is. Because if you're not unified on who it is we're actually worshiping and the reality of the change in our lives that's expected, how can then we, we collectively rejoice about this particular thing? Like rejoicing is an output, it's not an input. Does that make sense? All right, cool. So agree, but not, not just Agree, but agree in the Lord. This is not agree in yourself. This is not be true to yourself. This is not Yodia's right, Syntyche's wrong, Sintiki's right, Yodia's wrong. This is not me first. This is agree in the Lord. Um, So application here, Christians have the same mind in the Lord. Christians have the same mind in the Lord. And I, I will tell you, this sounds a bit not helpful, right? Have you ever heard a theological statement and you went like, well, that might be nice, but what do I do with that, right? Well, the, the beautiful thing here is that Paul actually, I would argue, tells them what to do with that. So verse three, yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers, whose names are in the book of life. So this is everybody else who's going to come along and help with this work, Now here's what it looks like to have the same mind. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness or gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and uh, petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence or if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. And then finally, you see how the, like, the, the thrust of this first list of things happens up here. And then we end with verse 9 do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. This is a get our thinking squared away, be unified in Christ and the gospel that will impact relationships, which impacts how we collectively think about these things, which then is going to impact our behavior. But yeah, sure, Philippians is just about rejoice. Paul didn't set aside his legal skill at laying out an argument when he wrote this beautiful little letter. He actually puts it all on display. It is really, really stunning. Uh, And I have to really say thank you to Thisa. Thisa handed me something a few months ago. And this was, I still don't know, did did you do this? Okay. Uh, This is an outline of Philippians. And I'm just going to pass this around and y'all just flip through it. Uh, But it was super, super helpful in reminding me on a regular basis uh, of the structure and the effort that Paul puts into structuring a well-crafted argument. Um, So thank you for that. So the personalization, I don't think I told you the personalization, did I? No? Okay. You're like, you're going to leave me hanging. I'm not going to leave you hanging. I'm coming back to it. I have it highlighted right here. Have the same mind in the Lord. Have the same mind in the Lord. And if you want to put in parentheses Philippians 4 4 through 9, that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. About uh, eight or nine years ago, we did a series in our Sunday school class, and it was called Best Lesson Ever. Uh, And I needed a break. I was worn out. I was tired, uh, and I got an idea that I would ask some of the other Sunday school teachers in our church other, other campuses to come and teach for us. I said, "Bring the best lesson you've ever taught." anybody, you remember this this series? It was really actually kind of cool, and we got some profoundly impactful lessons. But I was having a conversation with Terry Brown, who's a teacher at our Saudi Daisy campus, and uh, he said, "Oh yeah, I'll just teach what I taught last week." Like, no, no, Terry, I don't think you heard what I said. Like what I said was bring the best lesson you've ever taught. He said, Well, that's what I think about every lesson. Like, well, that's a little cocky, Terry. Okay. Like, come on. He's like, no, no, no. He said, you get so wrapped up in the text you fall in love with it, and then you get to share it. And I I will confess, Philippians has been a lot like that. It's been a lot of just. I get to talk, like, this is incredible. Like, what in the world? This is crazy. And I will tell you, Philippians 4.2 is now my favorite verse in Philippians. So. And on that note, let's go to my next favorite verse, Philippians 4.3, um, page 87. If you want to see the value that Paul places on Christian community... It's funny that you showed me that book and talked about what you said about the videos before class began, Thisa. Um, because this is exhibit A on Christian community. So, verse 3. Yes, I also ask, this is a present active again, so this repetitive behavior right now, you. So let's, let's dive in a little bit on this word you. So what kind of a word is this word you? What's your green book say? It's a what? It's a personal pronoun. So, Zeke. What do we use personal pronouns on? Persons, right, that's exactly right. So Paul's talking to, is this a group of people or is this one person? How do you know it's one person? No, no? how do you know it's one person? Keep going. It's singular, yes, that's right. Singular means one, right? So this is a singular personal pronoun. So he is now addressing a single person. All right. so this is what the, the Greek tells us here. And then the next word here is true. Or, uh, and this is an adjective. So an adjective is a descriptor type of a word. Uh, this word shows up several other times in the New Testament. I'll flip through and show you these real quick. So 2 Corinthians 8, 8, it shows up. <clears throat> I am not saying this as a command, rather by the means of diligence of others. I am testing the genuineness of your love. That's the word there, the genuineness. It shows up in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. So who wrote Corinthians? Paul, right? Who wrote 1 Timothy? Paul. So 1 Timothy 4, 2. Um, let's see. No, I've got the wrong verse here in my notes. I'm sorry. Nope, I'll have to circle back and get you the right one. My apologies on that. It's in 1 Timothy somewhere, but it's not 4 uh, 2. He also says it in Titus. Oh, 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 I know where it is. I've taught through Timothy. I know exactly where that is. Yes, First Timothy 1, 2. There we go. Uh, to Timothy, my true son in the faith, my true or genuine son. And then he says the same thing uh, to Titus. In Titus, verse 4 of chapter 1, to Titus, my true son in our common faith. So this this idea of trueness or genuineness is an authentic stamp from Paul's perspective that the person I'm talking to is a believer, right? He doesn't use this word outside of directly to a believer. So he's talking to somebody that's a believer. This is one person who's a believer, and then he says this word, syzygos. Syzygos. This is partner or co-yoked together because nobody uses yoke anymore, right? I mean, that's it. And I'm not saying yoke like the thing that comes out of an egg. This is yolk, as in old-school word from, if you were reading Matthew Henry's commentary or something, you'd see it. Um, so this is a colleague or a, uh, perhaps a person. Now, something that we don't lean into very often in this class in nouns, and it's something new that I've added in the green book. So in the green book, if you flip over to page... 12 so flip back to page 12 everybody so all these words that are in the green book they mean something right and Pages 11 and 12 and 13 are your secret decoder ring for what they mean and how to use and understand them. So, this word partner is an adjective, right? It's also a singular masculine. I don't know how to say the word vocative or vocative. Do you know, Mitch? Vocative? Okay, great. I heard, oh, this is going to sound terrible. I heard a really redneck preacher pronounce it vocative, and I don't trust redneck preachers' pronunciations. So I was, I w- I was going to lean into it and just sound confident, uh, but now I feel better about it. It's vocative. All right, great. So the vocative is the case, and the case is the function the noun performs in the sentence. So I want you to remember back to middle school when you were asked to diagram a sentence. Was anybody ever asked to diagram a sentence? Yes? Anybody, did anybody like diagramming sentences? A few, yes, you weirdos. Um, sorry, that was that was I should not say that. Uh, it was not my experience. It was not my experience, but, you know. Oh) um, I have a degree in mathematics, so to say that words are better than numbers like this is just highly offensive.) Um, Alright, but Greek nouns, and so adjectives follow the same morphology, so it's all the same rules, so this, this page gets you nouns and adjectives, but Greek nouns tell you what part of speech they are by the way the noun is spelled, which is super, super helpful because, sometimes, because sentence order in Greek is not the same as it is in English. So when stuff is mixed around, sometimes it is very, very helpful to know. Like, oh, okay, this is the subject, or this is the direct object. But vocative is the case of direct address. Vocative means I am speaking directly to you, by name. It's either by name or not by name, but I am speaking directly to you, Zeke. Like, you, Zeke, you are amazing, Okay? That amazing would be evocative, because I'm speaking, I'm directly addressing to you. Or I'm sorry, the Zeke would be uh, evocative, not the amazing. Yeah, the Zeke would be evocative, because I'm directly to you, okay? So we're talking about a personal pronoun that's singular. We're talking about, some, so we're talking about somebody. We're talking about somebody that's genuine, so somebody that's in the faith. And then this word, syzygos. Now, how many times is syzygos used in the New Testament? Shows it in. Oh, we're back on page 87 now. I'm sorry. Yes. That weird feeling you've got in your head right now, that's called exposure to Bible study. (laughs) Sorry. Julie says I can't say things like that. That's all right. I'll stop. So, how many times is this word used in the New Testament? One time. How much theological weight do we put on hooks that are used one time in the New Testament? Not much. Not much. Let's be real, real gentle. Uh, If I told you that Syzygous was also a name, an uncommon name, a very uncommon name, but also a name in first century Rome, well, that's interesting because it was. It was a name as well. And translators have a hard time with this one. And we know they have a hard time with this one because they footnoted it, which means the translation committee was not aligned on this particular translation. There were those on the committee who thought, no, no, this is talking about a name, so it wasn't unanimous, so we put it in a footnote. This is the way that you communicate this to your readers. So this might be a person's name. Now, answer me this. If we know this person's name was Syzygous, or if it's an unnamed person who was simply a true partner, does it make a difference on the theological implications of this? Not at all. Not at all. So, so, application here. Sometimes we cannot know, and I have no in all caps in mind, which is kind of funny because I only write in all caps, but the no is like just larger font. So, <laughs> Because mathematicians write in all caps, Mitch. That's right. So sometimes we cannot know uh, and I would just say the personalization here is be okay with the gray. Not everything, uh, I, <laughs> you're going to, some of you are going to get aggravated at this. I would argue that in, in a more in-depth analysis of the original language leads us to sometimes less clarity about a text and not more clarity about a text. And that is helpful because it tells us you should not lean in and take a hard stand on this. You should lean out because the original text was not super clear here. Now, the exact same thing happens in the opposite way, that some things look fuzzy in English, but they are crystal clear in the original. And this is one of the reasons I love that we have a multitude of translations. So, be okay with the gray. If I'd have thought about it, I'd have worn a gray shirt today, but I did not think about that, so there's that. All right, so, uh, yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help. Now, this is, uh, so I've got like 10 words in Philippians that make my head hurt, and this is one of them. Because this is a present middle imperative. So let me walk you through that, right? Right? I mean, that's wonky. If if we're going to make a list of wonky, uh, verb morphology, this is on the list. So um, present means it's uh, right now and continuous. Middle means the subject is performing the action in a way that impacts the subject. And then imperative is a command. So Paul is, is commanding this person, whether it's syzygous or true partner, to act in a way that will also impact this person. Now, does that make sense in the context in which this word is given? Well, of course it does, because there's not unity in this local church. And when there's not unity in this church, if Syzygous goes and acts, and through that action, the Lord works unity, is that going to then in turn impact Syzygous? Absolutely. So this is like my one example where you could ever use the present middle imperative. It's fantastic. And this is a beautiful, beautiful illustration of Paul's command of the Greek language and the Spirit's nuance in threading this theological reality in the way that it needs to be applied to this particular group of people right there. It's just gorgeous. So So I rescinded my earlier statement words can be beautiful too all right so what do we what do we get from this so a couple of applications here um our or true partner has to be listening for this right they have to hear it and they have to do something with it so christians listen and engage christians listen and engage so what do we do with that perhaps we should listen and engage oh dave barber with the burn online he just said you are wearing gray look in the mirror See now I just encouraged him, so it's going to ramp up. So it's going to happen here. So that's fantastic. Well, I guess the audio is working today, isn't it? There we go. All right, good. Um, and then another application here is helping two. This is the number two helps all. Helping two helps all. Because sometimes when we look at a situation, we're like, ah, I just don't want to. I don't want to get involved in that. It's not. It's not my monkey. It's not my circus. Have you heard this one? This is my new favorite one. Right. I don't want to get involved in that. If it's church stuff, like we just have a standing order to get involved because it impacts the unity of the church. So what do we do with that? Help, 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 help. Uh, I feel like I have to use this quote every two or three years just because it's so beautiful. Uh says, Donald Miller, we're called to hold our hands against the wounds of a broken world to stop the bleeding. And sometimes this brokenness is just right in our Christian communities, and it's okay. Um, if <laughs> I actually don't think God ever uh, expected Christian community to be perfect. Uh, if He did, we don't need any of those one another's because we'd be doing them all perfectly without the advice. We have massive chunks of the New Testament because we're broken and we need reminders, and we need each other. And I need you to engage in my life when you see broken things, and I need to engage in your life when I see broken things. And we need to engage in our lives when we see broken things, because this is how we live out what the reality of the gospel is. So helping, two helps all. So, I, yes, I ask you, true partner, to help these, and the, the CSB adds the word women, it's actually not there in the original, uh, to help these women, or these who, uh, have contended. This is a beautiful word. It's an indicative. So Paul is saying, you have worked. This is a statement of fact. You have worked for the gospel. This is not like Yodi and Sintiki are on the edges, on the fringes, not involved in the... Like, no, 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 no. They're doing gospel work, Right? This is good. So here's my cute application. You ready? Contenders sometimes contend. People who are in the work sometimes fight. And I've just got a slew of personalizations off this, so uh, don't be surprised. This has been happening for a very long time. We didn't get through ten chapters of the book of Acts before there were fights. So, unfortunately, we have a long history of this. But we also have a long history in Christianity of coming together and addressing these things, right? So, don't be surprised. Uh, another personalization here: Don't pull away. It matters. 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 Another personalization recenter on the gospel. When I say it matters, I mean the gospel matters. The witness that we have for the gospel on behalf of our Lord Jesus Christ matters. And then my last personalization here is get the right hands involved. Get the right hands involved. Paul didn't tell everybody in Philippi to get involved in this conversation. He told one person. Which is stunning to show his level of intimacy and knowledge of the specific named believers in Philippi about what was going on. Like that's, remember, where's Paul? In prison. A ways away. And yet he knows by name these folks in Philippi so don't be surprised don't pull away re-center on the gospel get the right hands involved and then we'll finish up on page 89 very quickly so these women who have contended for the gospel at my side I have so many questions I have so many questions that the text does not answer where Paul where did you work with Yodi and Sintiki? when was this when he founded the church at Philippi was this some other time? like, Did they come and work with him? Some? I have so many questions. But they worked at his side. And then this specific inclusive statement here, along with Clement. Along with Clement. Aren't you glad you're not named Clement? Yes? And Clement's a Latin name. So you see just a bit of the diversity of the Philippian congregation here that... It started out. You remember how it started out? The rich lady Lydia, right? The girl who got released from the demon, and then the Philippian jailer. Let's go start a church. Yeah, they seem like great founding members. And along comes Clement, some Latin dude. I don't know where he came from. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what his background is, but he's not from that area. So cool. The diversity continues. This specific name, and then because Paul's just not leaving anybody out in the gospel work, because everybody's involved in gospel work, and the rest. <laughs> it just literally means the remaining ones, this general inclusive statement for the rest of Philippi. And the rest of my co-workers, which is so beautiful. It's so such a beautiful word, because this is the same word that he used to describe Epaphroditus back in 225, a co-worker. So he equates the work that the Philippians are doing in their local community, with the work that Epaphroditus did to go back and supply Paul over and over and over, whose names are written in the book of life. And I I studied this this week, and I uh, will just say that I think this is somewhat of a euphemism for saved or Christians. Um, And if you want more about the book of life, uh, read Revelation, because I am not doing a Bible study on Revelation today. So there's that. All right, so... Application here and personalization on the bottom of page 90. Christians are co-laborers, so work with other Christians. Christians are co-laborers, so work with other Christians. Is this not a beautiful little text? Just wring it out for all it's worth. You think it's still relevant for today? Do I think it's still relevant for today? Yes, I do. Uh, quite a bit. So much so, I want to go back and like teach this again another half a dozen times, because I, I don't think the Spirit's done working on me with this text, Matt. Does that make sense? Um, so yes, I do. I do. So. If you were nervous about how Chapter 4 was going to go, oh, no, 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 no. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. All right, so you should have uh, your weekly updates there at your table. So you've got your uh, prayer requests on one side, the attendance list on the other. So if you've got any prayer requests, please jot those down. Make any edits or updates that you need to. Uh, write those prayer requests down. Or if you're watching online, please uh, put those in the comments. We'd love to pray for you. Uh, then lean in, engage, and go pray for somebody that's not with you. And then go and worship, not our country, not worshiping our country, but worshiping the Lord, the one who is worthy of unity, who is worthy of the effort, whose gospel is good news to all people at all time and uh, makes all the difference. So thanks for coming today, guys. Thanks for engaging. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, and weekly email. You can subscribe to all three of those at OurSundaySchool.com. Grace and peace to you.